Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. So would you please welcome our friend Ben and perhaps Emily, I'm not exactly sure. Good morning. It's a blessing to be here. It's nice to see a lot of people I don't know. <laughs> My, uh, Emily, would you stand up? This is, this is Emily. Yay. Yay for Emily. <laughs> um, so, uh, as Greg mentioned, and you said Zagreb, correct. A lot of people say Zagreb, and it's, yeah, it's because you were there. No, you did it right, man. You know what you're saying. Um, so, thank you for having us. Um, we will jump into God's Word, and before, just before that, I, I have a little slideshow that we put together. Before you put it up, don't put it up yet. Well, n- all right, so... Some of you saw where Croatia was, maybe. I just, I, I just want to give a little intro to, to, to just kind of um, what Emily and I are doing over there, just to give you a little context, and then I'm gonna, we'll segue into, into uh, Psalm 67 and study God's Word. So does anybody know where Croatia is? Greg does. Okay, it's in, yeah, yeah? Okay, you in the, yep, yeah. yep. Where is it? Yes, it's across from Italy. Yeah, it's in. It's part of the former Yugoslavia. So you can put up the map. <clears throat> so it's this orange country. Yeah, looks like a boomerang. Um, yeah, some people have wondered, is that in Texas or where? Where is Croatia? Um, so it it is in in Europe. It's in more Eastern Europe. It's part of the former Yugoslavia. So the big boot right here is Italy, and then there's the Adriatic Sea, and then you have Croatia sitting right there. You can go to the next slide. Um, so this is, yeah, this is the country. It looks like a boomerang, like I said. Uh, so I'll, I'll start off just with a little bit about the spiritual climate of the country, just to give you context of kind of where we serve, and then I'll go into a little bit about um, the church plant in Zagreb and just our ministry there. So the population is a little over 4 million people, which, to, to give a little context, uh, the greater Philadelphia area is 4 million people in population. America has um, 300 million plus people right now, population. So it is not a huge country. Land mass size is about the size of California, as far as I understand. Um, <clears throat> but uh, if any of you are familiar or if any of you regularly pray for the world and for different people groups, there's an organization called Operation World or another one called Joshua Project, and they give you different statistics on different countries. Um, different people groups, how you can pray for them, especially unreached people groups that don't have Christian presence. They, they don't have the Bible translated into their language. They don't have the gospel. Um, and so when you go to this website, um, basically when you look at the breakdown, to not get into too many details, um, the evangelical Christian presence in country is less than 0.3%. So there is very, very little evangelical Protestant Christian presence in, in the country. Um, you can go to the next slide. So, um, and don't, I, I don't want to offend anyone. Um, so the, the country is predominantly Roman Catholic. Um, I do believe that there are people within the Roman Catholic Church who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But this is not what we see in Croatia. We don't see that people have saving faith in Jesus Christ. Um, for a lot of people, and I'll explain this picture in a minute, this is actually the church that you were in. Yeah, 
I don't know if this picture was there then, but I'll explain this in a second. Um, but the country as a whole, back in the 90s, there were the Yugoslav Wars, for those of you who, who know about that or remember that. Um, and so back in the 90s, Croatia parted from Serbia and from other countries, and they shed blood to be who they are. So for them to, to be a Croatian is to be Roman Catholic. It is, it is, but for the majority of people, it doesn't actually have any bearing on their life. It's just a cultural identity. Um, so for them, they say that they're Roman Catholic, but then they practically live as atheists and then they throw in a lot of New Age stuff. And there's a lot of syncretism that happens. So, um, and their understanding of how most people try to relate to God is this picture. So, you can see down here, I'll try to duck, there's people kind of like raising up their hands in praise and worship and prayer towards heaven, right? Um, so, and this picture is in this main cathedral. You'll see a picture of it in a second, but it's this huge cathedral, and this picture is probably... It's from the ground, it's taller than the ceiling. It is ginormous, okay? Um, so you see people raising their hands in praise to heaven, to God, and you see Mary here in the center. Um, because what they believe is that Mary, they call her the co-redemptrix. So salvation is not possible without, basically it's not possible without Mary. And she is the mediator between us and God. Because you see up top, it's kind of hard to make out in the picture, but you see a, a younger guy carrying a cross. That's Jesus. You see an older guy next to him. That's the Father. And then the picture kind of cuts off, but there's also a dove representing the Holy Spirit. So their understanding is, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's said that Croatia uh, is a mafia that has a government. <laughs> so with a mafia mentality, Everything goes through connections. You always have to know someone, and then you make your way in, and it's just that's how everything goes. And how they relate to God is, well, Jesus, and I mean, God, he's just kind of like this guy who, like, does not like us, and he's really mad all the time. But if we go through his mom, like, we might be able to, you know, work things out. She might be able to give us a good rep before God. And it's sad because we do know that the Bible says that the one mediator between God and man is the man, Jesus Christ. Not Mary. She's not a savior. Um, she herself said that she needed a savior. So we, um, people are deceived. They've been taught a false gospel um, of completing a bunch of works and then you kind of get right with God and you never really have security in your salvation. You can go to the next slide. Um, does anybody know what All Saints Day is? Um, it's a day before Halloween uh, in Croatia. They celebrate it. People go to graves of loved ones to honor their loved ones. Um, and what they do is they light candles. Um, and there's a, I've heard different that there's a lot of reasons why people light these candles. One of the reasons I heard is because um, they believe that if their loved ones are in purgatory, um, that if the more candles they light, the more light they will have to find the right path to get to heaven. And we were just singing, it's interesting, we were just singing, Jesus, you, you, we were singing in, in, in that song, you're the light of the world, right? He's the one that came to show us the way to the Father. Um, so what we're doing there is preaching what the Bible says, that Jesus is the light of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no way to come to the Father except through him. And that we're saved by grace and grace alone, in Christ alone, um, 
and it is not something that we can earn, right? Um, so the context that we serve in is there, there is no like evangelical Christian culture. Um, people tend to be hostile towards the gospel or just they, they don't care. Um, it is not an issue of truth. It is an issue of I, you can tell me the Bible says this and that, and I can, say, I can see that that is true, but the reality is, is that I, I can't forsake my countrymen, my, my family, because for them, if, if they convert, if they become a true follower of Jesus Christ, what we've seen is that they become socially outcast and oppressed. Um, people will be kicked out of their homes. Um, they will be marginalized. Um, so it is not a country like you know most of us think of Middle Eastern countries where people are actually killed for their faith in Christ. You, you won't be killed for following Jesus Christ in Croatia. It's, a pretty, it's actually a pretty safe country, but you will be socially killed. Um, and so people do suffer and are persecuted for their faith in Christ. Um, so the, the, the soil that we work in is pretty rocky. I'll put it that way. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Um, so this is where Zagreb is. It's in the northwest uh, part of the country. Um, where you were, Greg, up in Chakovitz, so all the way up north, you can kind of see it there. Yeah, and then it's an hour and a half south to Zagreb. Zagreb is the capital city. So over a million people live in the Zagreb area. So almost one-fourth of the entire population lives in this city. So it's a key place we feel to be for the gospel. You can go to the next slide. This is a city very beautiful. Here's the main square, very European. Um, there's that big cathedral that you can go into and see that picture. You can go to the next slide. Um, here's another picture of the square. So Emily and I, we moved to Croatia seven years ago. Uh, we were 20 years old, um, six months married. Um, we got there and we started, um, we ended up working with a national Calvary Chapel. So it was the only Calvary Chapel in the country at that time that you were at uh, with his, the pastor's name is Damir. And we worked there. We spent three and a half years doing language and culture acquisition. So we got, we became fluent in the language, um, and we understood their culture. And then we felt God was leading us to move out to the city of Zagreb to church plant. Uh, so this is that city. You can go to the next slide. I'll explain this in a second. Um, so when we moved there, we started a Bible study in our apartment. There's a lot of cool stories about how God brought people, um, and we started to see some people get saved. I can tell you more about that afterward, um, if you want to meet us at our table. <clears throat> and then about a year and a half ago, we moved into this space, which is uh, where we have church. It's the street front property. You can go to the next slide. Um, this is the entrance into our church space. You can go to the next slide. Um, and so these are, this is a little church hangout that we have of some of the uh, people that we've seen come to know the Lord. We have a small group meeting in this space, about 10 of us. I know that sounds small. But for Croatia's context, that it's, we, we really feel like it's a big deal, the things that are happening. We've seen about seven of those people come to know the Lord in the past three years, baptize them. They're growing. They're hungry. They're excited. Um, so this is just a little hangout that we had. This is Martina in the pink and Jelka in the green. You can see her back. There's Emily, our daughter Lily. You can go to the next slide is in our church space. People love their coffee. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm from Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. They have three Sunday morning services from 8 till, I don't know, last service gets over around 1. 
We, have, uh, we get to our church space around 8.30, and we get home around 1.30, and we have one service. <laughs> people are very relational. They like to hang out, drink coffee. Before service, people will show up half hour, 45 minutes beforehand, maybe even more. We have coffee, hang out, have Bible study, worship, and prayer, and then more coffee, more talking, more hanging out. More People are just very relational. Relationships are very deep. So this is Sasha there with the cup almost to his mouth. Um, there's Ruja on the couch. Uh, just some of the people in our church. You can go to the next slide. This is um, a few people being baptized in a dirty lake in Zagreb. <laughs> it's, um, and uh, yeah, it's been very neat. You can go to the next slide. Um, yeah, this is at their baptism, just having worship in the park there. You can go to the next slide. Um, and I'll explain this in a second. So uh, it's, it's been very cool for us being there, um, representing the gospel, uh, preaching the gospel, teaching people God's word, seeing them grow, seeing them come to faith. Um, and then some of the things that we do to reach out to our community is, um, because Croatia is such, such, such a small country, English means a lot to them to be able to function in business and in school and all those things. So we started up like a like an ESL ministry through our church, and this is actually in our church space. Um, so a lot we see people come out, and then we're able to teach them English for free, connect them to our church, and then we're able to actually witness to them, give them the gospel. I present the gospel at the at our English classes. So we've seen a lot of neat opportunities come through that, um, <clears throat> and we do that on a weekly basis. You can go to the next slide, um, and then this. This is a pretty cool story. We had a, um, just recently we had a uh, Roman Catholic school teacher. So in, in the school system there they have, um, they teach religion class. And because if any of you know this past October was the 500 year anniversary of the Reformation. So this teacher was given the responsibility of teaching his high school students about um, just the spiritual history of Europe and they came to the topic of the Reformation. Long story short, he got my phone number, called me, said, hey, I have 20 high school students. We're going over the Reformation. I want them to see a Protestant church firsthand. Um, could I bring them by? I said, yeah, sure. And, I, you know, I, I thought, I thought I'm, I'm like, this is great, you know, but it gets better. Because I thought he just wanted to come, like, meet me. They could see our church base and goodbye. He said, no, 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 I, I want you to do, like, a full-on presentation of everything you believe and why you believe it. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I can, I can do that. That's, that sounds reasonable. So they, sh lo and behold, two days later, they show up, 20 high school students in our church space, and I had like a full-on PowerPoint. I got, I got all techie with them, you know. I had a PowerPoint, Bible verses, and I had 40 minutes to lay out the whole gospel to these guys. The, the school teacher stayed two hours afterward. We connected. We still got the coffee, and he wants to bring more students in the fall. Um, so, and that's just one of the things that we've seen God do. God's good, you know. He leads his people. He builds his church, and so um, we're there representing uh, him. You can go to the next slide. I forget what else. Yeah, here's some prayer requests. You can talk to us afterward about, you know, if... Um, if you want more information on just what we're doing, want to hear some more stories, um, I have, I brought these up with me. We have little prayer cards if you want to keep us in prayer, um, ways that you can sign up for our monthly. We send out like bi-monthly video updates, I'm trying to get in 2018. People don't really read anymore, so we send out video updates telling people how, how you can pray. 
we have little brochures. There's information on if you know if you if you want to support financially or in prayer, we can talk about that afterward. But um, yeah, so we're over there. Um, it's so cool that you were there 20 years ago. Um, yeah, so it's cool to see what God's doing around the world. Um, so that's a little introduction to us. Why don't we open up our Bibles, if you have a Bible with you. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be in Psalm 67 this morning. And I want to try to connect this. When a missionary comes, you kind of think, well, what is he going to talk about? Missions. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, <clears throat> so, all right, I'll start off this way. How many of you brushed your teeth this morning? Don't, don't raise your hand if you didn't. <laughs> You'll find out who didn't if, they, if you don't raise your hand. Okay. So, <clears throat> with routine things in life, uh, you don't really think about routine things, right? Like, so when I brush my teeth, I don't sit there and think, well, why, why am I doing this? And then I go through this whole contemplative thought process of why am I brushing my teeth? I don't do that. I brush my teeth. Why? Because it's habit. It's normal. It's what I should do. But if I really wanted to, it would say, well, I don't want to get cavities. I don't want to see the dentist. I don't like going to the dentist, so I brush my teeth. I try to keep my teeth clean. I don't want to gross people out and have bad breath. You know, there's all sorts of... But most of the time in life, we just do stuff because it's just routine, right? So why did you come to church this morning? When you got up this morning, did you ask yourself, why am I going to church? For most of us, and I'm not saying this is bad that you didn't ask yourself this, but for most of us, we got up because it's Sunday morning. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I follow Jesus. I want to go fellowship with the saints. I go to church. But we don't think through the whole theology of why we go to church every Sunday. And I think that when we start thinking about that, we can say the same thing about missions, right? What? Like many of you could ask, or somebody that does, if, if you're here today, I don't know any of you. So I don't, if you don't follow Jesus today, you might be asking yourself, well, why in the world would you and your wife move over to a poor country in Croatia at 20 years old? It doesn't make sense, right? Why do we want other people to come to faith in Jesus Christ? Why do we talk about missions? Why did we sing this morning, I don't remember the words exactly, but fill me with your love and send me with your love to, to those around me, right? Why? Um, and my hope is that we're going to see a little bit of what the Bible has to say about this why through the psalm. So um, let me read it, and then we'll jump in here. Um, it says, verse 1, May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's pray. God, we just pray that your word would sink into our hearts this morning. Um, protect my mouth. Give me grace to speak your word. 
Um, may we be encouraged as your church, and would you be glorified? Would you thwart the enemy who would like to distract us with other unimportant things who would like to discourage us? Would you lift us up today and give us our portion? We pray that in your name, for your glory. Amen. So, psalms are songs, prayers to God. Um, many times it is the expression of the heart of man to God. This is one of the reasons why psalms are so relatable to us. We find a lot of comfort in them. Um, so if you're having a bad day, you can pretty much open to any psalm and read three of them, and you'll find yourself at least in one of them, right? It's just a place of comfort because we're seeing people, it's just real, right? Like you see David like, God, I need you to be my rock. I'm so just like unstable. I have enemies around me. Or you see David just like pouring out his heart. He's like, I don't like these people break their teeth. It's just, it's just real and in your face. And you're like, I, I understand that sometimes. I feel that way sometimes. And so they're not just expressions of the heart of man and feel good or something. They, they also contain really good theology. Right? We can learn a lot out of them. So my hope today is that we learn about how our relationship to God is at its core connected to God's desire to save all people and that we have a role to play in that. So we're going to see three main things. I'll just give it to you right away. Um, the first thing is that we are blessed of God. Second thing is that we are blessed of God to bless others. And the third thing is that that should be a basic yearning of our redeemed heart. So the psalmist starts off, Let's jump in here. He's an Israelite. He's a Jew. Um, he starts asking a few things. And I wrote down three things. So he says, verse 1, he says, May God be gracious to us. Let's stop. May God be gracious to us. So understand, he's not asking this just for himself, right? He's saying, May God be gracious to us, plural, to my nation, to the nation of Israel. You have to understand the context that he is thinking in. And the Hebrew idea is that of graciousness, right? May God be gracious to us is when someone of a higher status is being benevolent to someone of a lower status. So, and like when someone, of, like when a king reaches out his hand to a pauper, he says, come eat at my table, you dirty, undeserving pauper, I accept you. Come be with me. That's grace. He did not deserve that, right? It is, un, as we say, unmerited favor, so when he is asking, he's saying, God, don't be gracious just to me. You are God, right? Who is he talking to? God, the king of Yahweh, Jehovah, their God, creator, Lord. Would you reach down as a king does to, to a pauper? And would you be benevolent to us? Not just to me, but to my whole nation. Second thing, he says, so may God be gracious to us and bless us. The idea of blessing in that time was God giving success in war, success in all aspects of life, fruitfulness from the land, prosperity, well-being, fertility, long life. It speaks of God's provision. So he's saying, God, I mean, this is a good prayer. Like, you want to pray this for yourself and for your church, right? God, be gracious to us. Reach down to us and give us, give us a hand. Be, be benevolent towards us. Be loving. And would you provide for us? Would you give us what we need? And then he says something that sounds really cool, but it's like, well, what is he talking about? 
May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Like, well, that sounds cool, but it also sounds weird. What is he talking about? Um, someone's face identified that person and reflects their attitudes and feelings. So when he's saying, God, would you be gracious to us, reach down to us like a king does to a pauper, provide for us, bless us, and would you make your face to shine upon us? What he's saying is, God, would you look at us? Would you look at your people with favor and blessing? Would you look at us with a smile on your face? So the, the picture I have in my mind is when I married my wife, and she's coming down the aisle, I don't look at her in disgust, right? I say, I, my face is shining upon her. I am just so, she's beautiful. I love her. I'm smiling towards her. I only have good thoughts and feelings and actions towards her. This is what the psalmist is asking of God. He's saying, God, when you look at us, would you not look at us in disgust? Would you look at us with a smile on your face? So, when we think about it, this is what the nation of Israel experienced, correct? I mean, except when they were rebelling against, against God. When God chose them out, he formed them to be a light to the nations around them. We see that among all the other nations that are cruel, false gods, they had the true and the living God on their side. He led them, protected them, cloud by day, give them shade, protection. They could hide, fire by night, leading them, giving them light, warmth, comfort. He blessed them, opened up the Red Sea for them, defeated their enemies. He was the, f like, you see Moses conversing with God, Abraham, convert like, God comes to them, he's gracious, blessing, leading, giving them promises, I will make you a great nation. And <clears throat> this state of God being gracious, blessing, and looking down with a face that shines upon his nation, it it's all a reminder of what we have in Christ, right? So you think of like Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? None. Zero. There is no kind of condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it is the king, what we see that we have in Christ, when you, when you, you know, faith is, you all have faith right now in your chairs that you're not going to fall, right? That's faith. You lean into something and trust that it will uphold your weight. And when we do that with Jesus Christ saying, Jesus, I, you paid for my sins and you covered me with your blood and now if I lean into you, God fully accepts me as his beloved son just as he accepts you. When we do that, what happens is the king of the universe reaches down his hand. He's bowed down to bless us, us dirty, unworthy, rebellious, hostile paupers. Grace. He gives us new life in Christ. He provides for our needs, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Doesn't God take care of the birds and then you worry about paying bills? 
Won't God take care? Are you not more important than the birds? And God has promised to provide for us, to take care of us, to be with us in his sovereign way as a king. He's preparing us for an eternal dwelling place. When he looks at us, there's a smile on his face, and that's all because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So the first thing that we see, what I said in the beginning, is that we're blessed. This is the true state of being blessed. So today, so um, Emily and I have been, my, she's from Seattle. Um, I'm from Willow Grove, if any of you know where Willow Grove is. Um, and uh, when we were out in Seattle, we were visiting her family, her, her church out there, and there's, do, this is going to sound, whenever I tell people that we went to Las Vegas on this trip, they always look at me like, what, what were you doing there? <laughs> there's actually a church there. <laughs> um, that, that supports us. They pray for us. And they flew us out for a weekend. And I'd never been to Las Vegas before. Okay? If, any, if any of you have been, you, it's, it's just, it's hot. It's, it's like so hot. It was like 115 degrees when we were there. It's just hot. And you're in the middle of the desert. There's no shade. But the pastor of the church there was telling me every month, so Las Vegas itself has 2 million residents. But every month, 4 million people come in from around the world. And I just thought to myself, why in the world would people, would 4 million people a month come to Las Vegas, to the middle of the desert where it's blazing hot? Why? Because they're looking for blessing. Right? I mean, you drive down the Las Vegas Strip, it's disgusting. Marble everywhere. People throw out tons of money. Because why? They save up for years to, to go blow $20,000 in Vegas. Just And Vegas was not built on the winners. Right? And people are looking for blessing. So the way that we, before Christ, if we don't understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ, the way we define blessing is, I have stuff or I have this, or this emotional need is filled. But what we see the Bible talking about is true blessing comes from God. Right? At the end of this psalm, if you look here, the psalmist connects blessing with God being your God. He says, so part of the reason he's praising God, which is maybe hard for us to understand unless you're a farmer, he says the earth has yielded its increase, verse 6. God, our God, shall bless us. So he's Part of the reason he's praying God, praising God is because God has blessed them. He's given them fruit so they can eat and live. We just go to the grocery store, right? They didn't have that back then. So he's saying, the earth has, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, he is our God, he is my God, shall bless us. Blessing from God is directly connected with him being your God. So, this is the state of true blessing, joy, and happiness. And it's ludicrous to think that anything else is better or more blessed than this. So that's the first part. And we could sit here for a long time. God has blessed us. We have received his grace, his mercies. He looks down upon us. We are accepted in the beloved. He's preparing an eternal dwelling place for us. Amazing. Look at verse 2. So he, here we're going to get to the why. 
So he's saying, God, bless us as a nation. Make us into your people. We want to know you. Be gracious to us. All this stuff. And then there's one word, that. And this word is so important. So important. So he's saying that. Okay. Bless us so that this happens, is what he's going to say. Okay? Now, sometimes the way we think through God blessing us, right? When we wake up in the morning and say, God, would you help me today? Give me strength. What we're saying is, God, would you bless me and, and just so I can be blessed, just so I'm good. And we do see here that he's saying bless us. So there is this blessing from God that we're actually like blessed and happy and good and enjoying him and enjoying the good things that he gives. But he's, he's praying this, and he's saying, God, would you bless us that your way may be known on earth? Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So he's not saying, God, would you just bless me so that I can be happy? He's saying there's a, there's a greater purpose to you blessing us. To us having your grace, us knowing you. And when he's saying that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations, what he's referring to is all the other Gentile nations that surrounded Israel that had false gods and did not worship the true and living God. He's referring to people that don't believe in God, unbelievers. And then notice in verse 3, he says, let all the peoples praise you. So he, this is not just talking about our Jerusalem. This is not just talking about your next door neighbors. This is a global yearning for all people around the whole world to know God. Because he has blessed us. The idea is that we are blessed by God. He's saying, would you bless our nation that we might be a blessing to others. And this applies to us. So I'm, I'm going to take you through three passages really quick just to show you that I'm not just pulling this out of this one psalm. This is something that applies over all of Scripture to the people of God, to us today. We are not blessed just to be blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing to other people. Let's go to Genesis um, 12, 1 to 3. And what we're going to see is that Scripture says, what, I, what I'm going to try to show you this morning, what, what I believe, you can check me on this, is that Scripture says that being a blessing to other people, that they might know God, if you know God, is fundamental to Christianity. It's fundamental to, to, to your relationship with Jesus. So here we get to the call of Abram. God says, the, scripture, uh, the text says, now the Lord God said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred to your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. So notice here we're going to, blessing. I will make you great. I will bless you, provide for you. And he literally says, I will bless you and I will make your name great. So Abraham's like, this is awesome. I'm going to be like the head of this awesome nation, big nation. God's going to bless me. It's great. And then God continues and he says, so that, oh, there's a purpose to this, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, 
all the families, again, global, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And how were they blessed through Abraham? How are all peoples of the world blessed through Abraham? The Messiah came through Abraham's seed to bless all nations. Okay, so we see this with Abraham. Mark 1.17. Jesus comes on the scene. He's preaching. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then he finds these fishermen. And he says to them in verse 17, Mark chapter 1, he says, follow me. Oh, so come be with me. Come be in relationship with me. And this is how we think through Christianity, I hope, right? I mean, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We grow in him. We read our Bibles. We come to church. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, just be with me. He says, and I will make you become fishers of men. So if you've... um, when you start a new job and you show up and you're at the interview, what, one of the things that they do is they give you a job description. This is what you can expect. This is what you will be doing. And that's what Jesus does here. For them, they knew from day one, if I follow Jesus, that means I'm going to be with him and I'm going to go be with other people. So Jesus did this with his disciples. I'm going to make you a fisher. Okay, let's go to 1 Peter 2.9. So this is not just for the 12 disciples of Jesus. Okay? We're going to see this is for the church. 1 Peter 2.9. But you, talking to believers, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, talking about God, you are a people for God's possession. Why? That you, so there is a reason that you are God's possession, that you are blessed, that you are his people, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is it becoming clearer now? Let's go back to Psalm 67. What we see is that God has not saved us, called us to himself, provided for us just for our own benefit, but for the purpose of us being a light to others. Channels through which God can flow and the blessing that's found in Jesus Christ can come to other people. Not just in Mercer County. Not just in Philadelphia or in Willow Grove or in Seattle but in Zagreb, in Africa, in Zimbabwe, in the Philippines. And the claim that I want to make, to be frank and to be honest, is that if your walk with Jesus Christ, or if my walk with Jesus Christ, focuses largely or only on self, or your own well-being, the first thought when you wake up every day is me, 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 and I, and myself. And God, would you bless me? That is good. God, bless me. But if that is the end-all, be-all of your Christian life, 
you fundamentally and practically misunderstand what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And I know that, that is a, that's a harsh statement, but I just feel like the Bible makes it so clear. Like if my life is just all about me, I mean, what did Jesus say the two greatest commandments are? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's no me in there. And part of loving my neighbor is I tell them about the greatest thing for their life ever. So when I say blessing other people, I'm not just talking about social help. Although that is a good thing to show people what God does and what he really does in Jesus Christ. And some might say, well, somehow the gift of evangelism, I don't have that. That's for the missionaries. That's for you, Ben. And I'm like, man, I struggle with evangelism probably more than some of you do. (laughs) Um, I I just think, you know, something that we see in Scripture is that God does anoint people, like, with evangelism, you know, and they're just really good at it. But, like, what I see is that the church is called as a whole to be a witness to the outside world, to bless all nations of the world. And not just to bless them, but to actually care about that, right? To actually care about people on a global level, knowing Jesus Christ. So we said, God has blessed us, that we might be a blessing. And now we're getting to the third part, which is that that should be a basic yearning of our redeemed heart. So we're going to see the third part of this is that you actually get involved. You yearn for this. So... And the reason I wrote the word yearn, I, I don't know, maybe I misunderstand the word yearn, but I'll explain my understanding of it. When I think of yearning or like longing for something, I just think like, it's, it's like just this, it's a fire in my heart, right? It's like I am ready to lay aside, if th- for this thing, I am ready to lay aside like things on my schedule, my own health, my own time, my own comfort. Like if, if, if I have the opportunity to do this, I would quit my job or something, you know? A yearning. We're going to see that the psalmist yearns for this, that all people would be saved. <clears throat> Notice in verse 4, he says, he, he, so there's this, it's like this, he gets to this chorus in verse 5, but before this he says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. So in his mind, if all people of the, of the world, if you today know the living God and his saving power, what does it result in? It results in gladness and singing with joy. Why? He says, he gives us this word for, which shows us why, right? So people will rejoice, they will be glad and singing with joy, they'll be jumping up and down, happy for, why? For you judge the people with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. Now, what is he talking about? A judge in that day was viewed as a savior. He would protect the innocent, judge the, the, the evil, right? He would protect those who couldn't protect themselves. And he's executing justice, which we like. Like, it's all American movies, right? Batman, just justice. Oh, just. Right? It's all, we, we don't like injustice. It says God will execute justice. All the things that are wrong will be made right. And he says, and he actually saves people. 
that are innocent. And the second thing we see is that he's a shepherd. You guide the nations on earth. Right? We see, he is, he's not just like any shepherd. He's the perfect, sovereign, guiding all nations, king of the universe. He leads and guides, right? Like, who doesn't want a shepherd? Those are reasons to rejoice. Like, if you're left to your own vices and the vices and, and you have to lead your own life, that's a scary spot to be in. So he says, in his mind, the thing that brings joy and gladness to, to you today and to all people is knowing the saving power of God. And then he continues and he says, let the people's praise, so there's this chorus here. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And then he gets back to this. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And to fear God is to know him, to walk in his ways. So, here's the question. We've established God has blessed us, that we might be a blessing. And now we put the question out there, what does it look like to be a blessing? And the thing that I want to see in this text is that the psalmist is praying for this to happen. You can tell a lot about a person by what they pray. Because you pray about what's important to you, right? Um, So what we see is, is the psalmist's deep heart desire, longing, yearning, the fire in his heart, is that other people would come to know salvation Joy, blessing, singing, dancing, gladness, happiness, hope in God, Jehovah, in Jesus Christ. He's not just saying, I should be a blessing, but then he's, active, but then he's not actively involving himself in that. He's, he's actively involving himself through prayer. So it's one thing to say, yes, that's, this is a great concept, I'm blessed to be a blessing, but then like, we don't do anything about it, right? And that's what we call, that's what James would call, looking at the Word of God and not letting it work on your heart. Just looking at it and saying, oh, wow, I, I see in the mirror that I have, like, all these things, like, I don't know. Like, I didn't have acne when I was a teenager, but, like, if I woke up and there was a pimple on my face, if I saw that, I wouldn't, like, not do anything about it. And if we look at God's Word like a mirror, and then we see these things and we just walk away and say, well, that sounds great, and we don't do anything. That's the same thing. So he is actually like getting involved in this through prayer. He is praying for this. He's saying, this is a priority to me. And for us, being a blessing it means getting involved in the thing that God is doing around the world, saving all peoples through prayer. Maybe some of you actually need to go. Um, maybe you need to go on a missions trip. Maybe it's through giving financially. Maybe it's through also being here where you live, at your job, witnessing the people, acting and doing good for others as a testimony of God's goodness. And then through that we can share that somebody can eternally partake in God's goodness. So when I think about, as I said in the beginning, why? Why did we go to Croatia at 20? Why, why, would, why do we do these things? Why, why do we pray for things that are going on around the world? Why do we want to give to things that are going on? Why do we want to do any of these things? It's because 
The Bible says that's part of the reason God saved you. That's part of following him. It is a fundamental part of following Jesus Christ. So, final thoughts, three things. I'll put it in question form. First thing that we said, you're blessed, right? So, do you realize this morning how blessed you are in Jesus Christ? Are you, do you, are you dancing and singing because of this? If you're not, if you're having trouble understanding that more, or you want to understand that more, or you just don't, you've never known that. If you never know that, you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ and know the blessing. But if you, if you have experienced that, I would just go home and like open up God's word. Go read Romans 8 for like a month over and over and over again. So the first thing, do you realize how blessed you are? Second thing, do you realize God expects you to share that blessing in Jesus Christ with other people? It's an expectation. It's not supposed to be a burden, right? It's just like, it's just part of following Jesus. Like when you find something good, you share it with people. You're like, oh man, I ate at this great Mexican restaurant. It's the best. You have to try it out. And then we get all weird about God. And he's like the most important, things in, our, the most important thing in our life. We don't, we don't have to be weird about it. We can just talk about it because he is real. We talk, man, I was reading my Bible this morning. I was so encouraged by these things. Do you, do you know that? I mean, it can, right? We need to pray that God would help us to understand that. Third thing, what are you doing about this? This expectation, what are you doing about it? Are you actively involved in this? So the last thing I'll say is um, the reality is it's one thing for the psalmist to say, God, I want all people to be saved and all this stuff. But it's another thing that God is the one who really wants this. He's the one who really wants this. He's the one who's actively doing this in the world, right? Like when you read the book of Acts, it's, just, it's not about what the apostles did. It's about what the Holy Spirit was doing through them. This is God's movement. What is happening in this room today, this is God's work. This is the center of what he's doing, according to the book of Ephesians, in the world. He is the initiator of this saving movement among mankind. He desires to bless, save, and redeem. It's his choice. So when we realize, this is what I'm going to finish with, when we realize this is the greatest hope and the center of what God is doing in the world, we really have to start asking ourselves, what else could be more worthy of giving my life, resources, energy, and prayers for? What else can make me and other people eternally happy? Praise be to God that we are blessed and we get to share that with others. Amen? Amen. Thank you for having us. Um, let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.